Welcome to TikTok Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Jameson. I'm a verified TikTok creator and professional makeup artist based in Dallas, Texas. After gaining over 800,000 TikTok followers in just six months, I became obsessed with helping aspiring creators and entrepreneurs unlock their full potential on the fastest growing app in the world. If you're looking to find your niche, increase your income, and build your influence with short form video content, then you are in the right place. My goal for this podcast is to inspire and empower you with actionable tips and insight from top TikTok creators so that you can master the For You page and build your brand on TikTok and beyond. There's no better time to start than right now. Let's dive into this week's episode of TikTok Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to TikTok Radio. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Cassie Petre. Am I saying that right? It's Petrie, like the land. Petrie. Yeah, it doesn't oh make sense. Oh my gosh. When I started studying Spanish, I was like, English is awful um, in terms of knowing how to say words when you haven't before, but Petrie. Yeah, no. Okay, Petrie, like the dish and like the land yes. before time. Okay, yes. perfect. I should have asked you that before we started and normally do that. But um, Cassie's going to be sharing her experience today with the music industry and social media and how everything comes together. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you let our listeners know like a little bit of background on who you are and kind of what you do? Yeah, so, I, you know, my job today, I do a lot of things, but my, you know, the Main tasks I do on a daily basis are either fall and doing digital marketing for artists and other types of creators and entertainers. And I also do talent management now as well. Um, my background for the past 15 years has been running a company called CrowdSurf that is, has traditionally been very focused on social media management and digital marketing and all things communicating with consumers. And over the past couple of years have sort of develop organically into doing more talent management and just being involved in more people's careers, which is really, really cool. And then I would say my background before that, I was just, I was like a traditional fan girl. I started off with the Backstreet Boys, had a bunch of other fan obsessions after that. And I really just liked being a part of like the digital community and the entertainment community. I loved going to concerts and meeting other people who liked the same things in pop culture that I liked. And that sort of led me to you know, down this path and where I'm at today. I love that. I can definitely relate. I was like a music concert girl growing up. It's funny. I remember saying that I wanted to like go into marketing in the music industry, but I ended up going into social media in a, a different way, I guess. So I'm yeah. super excited to hear your experience. So um, you kind of come from like a more legacy marketing platform and now TikTok has come into the picture. How have you guys kind of seen the landscape of social media change in the last few years? It's fun. I've actually been begging people to join what was musically at the time since 2016 because I was like, you know, more time on platform equals more time to gain followers. And this platform is going to continue to grow and become important. I never envisioned it being as important as it is now it's been a really cool evolution and I've, I've enjoyed watching the journey of people like slowly accepting musically and then what is now tiktok and 
a lot of people were so resistant to it. And some of the people who are the most resistant to it now love it the most. But I, I really like it because I feel like TikTok does a lot of things well. But two things that I think are really, really cool about it is one, it, it kind of prompts you on like ideas for creating content. Whereas I feel like Instagram, for example, that you don't log in and get inspired to create for yourself necessarily versus where especially if you look at like the early days of musically with the trending topics and that evolved you know to trending topics on tiktok up until you know recently and that page going away but yeah i loved that it i love that it gave you ideas like you're like i don't know what to make today oh here's an idea for it i liked that prompt i think that was one of the key things that made it really successful so i love that and i also love how music friendly tiktok is i, I feel like it's the most music friendly social media platform since myspace it makes it so easy to yes. incorporate music into your content or to share music that you like or discover new artists and i, I remember i loved that about myspace and i really like that aspect of tiktok it, there's so many great opportunities for sharing music and for artists to share their art and i, I just really awesome yeah i totally agree so you hit on like everything i love about tiktok in that because I started out on Musical.ly in 2016, and I remember yes. being like one of the only adults. I mean, I was like 20, in my mid-20s at that time. But it was interesting watching it evolve because there was so much potential there. The fact that like Musical.ly started where it was and then now has completely transformed into TikTok is like insane for those of us who witnessed it. And the culture change around it too. And just even like the user, like, experience on the platform is totally different um yeah r.i.p the discovery page where they had the I know. hashtags and stuff was just like gone and uh, i'm glad hard. you brought up tick yes or yeah when it would be like top live streams it would like pay and then musically used to have a separate live streaming app which was like a whole nother thing um yeah. i'm glad you brought up myspace though because i did an interview um, for another podcast, actually, where we were talking about like how MySpace basically shaped the music industry at that time. Like there was, correct me if I'm wrong, but MySpace had, they signed artists to like MySpace records or something like that, right? Or they had like, they had like their own version of a, like that's what, they didn't have a MySpace records and they also had a compilation CD that was like, you know, kind of like a, that's what I call now, but they had like a MySpace version of that because I remember um yeah independent artists that I was working with and that was one of my first big social media projects and I made them go number one on the platform they were always competing with fallout boy which I think is hilarious to like kind of look back on that now um but they did so well that they actually ended up getting on that record because I was managing their page and doing so much with it and at the time I didn't really realize kind of how big of a deal that was for an artist at that level to get that right I was I was 18 and 19 when this was going on but uh, I look back on it and I'm like that's a really big accomplishment to have helped that artist get on this record with all these major artists when they were just starting out that was really awesome no yeah and in the same way I feel like TikTok is giving creators and artists the same opportunity that MySpace did because you don't have to be assigned artists to go viral i mean who's the guy that did that billy eilish song like the what is it where it's like what does he say something billy eilish and people do that transition and that oh, one's yeah. super viral yeah like we're just seeing completely 
perceived organic growth. I know that there's a little bit that goes on behind the scenes now that helps with that. Um, but it's really cool that you're able to like leverage MySpace in an organic way because we didn't really like ads didn't exist. It was all about like organic marketing and now it's evolved and TikTok still has that organic aspect. Totally. And I love that um, TikTok, the reason why I've kind of got my career started in social media is I was, it was my first year of college when MySpace came out and I saw local bands using MySpace and I was a Warner College rep at the time. It was like my first big music industry, like internship sort of thing. And I went to my boss and I said, why don't big artists use MySpace? Why is it just local artists? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, can I run one for somebody? And she's like, I don't really know what that means, but sure. Pick an artist and you can run their MySpace page. So that's what I did. And that's how it got started. So I'm glad she said yes, because it really shapes, you know, my career and where I ended up now. It's really interesting. I would have loved to see where MySpace ended up if they had found a good path to monetization. I really think that's what killed the platform is they had no way to pay for it. I mean, I guess the music stuff, but I mean, you weren't paying for a subscription to market your music on there. I mean, there was no way for them to make money, I feel like, except ad space. But back then it was so different. So now TikTok has kind of like opened the store for creators to have this organic visibility. Um, is it this is okay? So this is my perception. Just in the music um labels that I've worked with or that have reached out to me, very early on on TikTok, they were doing sponsored posts, but it was like a back like backdoor sponsored post where they would be like, just use this song, like just use the song. Um, and then they were trying to get like organic virality. Is that like still going on? Is there another level to that now? Um, I mean, I would say that there's some level of those kind of campaigns still going on. I would say sort of the the pay high dollar for somebody to use the song is kind of less common because I feel like a lot of those spins were made and it didn't translate. So I think people are trying mm -hmm. to be more strategic and more specific about like attaching a trend to a song and a campaign to be more specific about you know, who the creators are that they engage with it. And I think they're being more careful about, you know, maybe like starting with a couple people. And if it does well, add more. If it doesn't do well, abandon ship and don't dump another $50,000 into it is kind of, you know, where I see a right. lot of stuff sitting now. But the, the, the reality of this is, is that it is, it's really hard to like, real like, I mean, there are great certain marketing campaigns that people have done and they've been successful on TikTok, but it, it's really hard to do that. And I would say a majority of paid TikTok campaigns like that, I, I don't think were successful for, uh, yeah, I can get into all the details of that, but I think overall that, that strategy doesn't work most of the time and it can really be like a huge money drainer Expensive. On, yeah. yeah. On artist marketing budgets. Cause you're like, Hey person, you post this for $20,000 and it could not really, it could be like their worst performing post and just totally not worth what you spent. Yeah. So what we, I don't even know how like public knowledge this is or how common this was, but there was these platforms and I think they still exist. There's one called Big Tiny Sound where they would literally just pay you to use the song and it was like flat rate um, or it would be based on performance. So it would be like, I don't know, 50 bucks just to use a, a song in your video. Um, and I don't see people doing that as much. And I guess maybe it's because it doesn't work very well. Um, 
But then there were some songs from that, though, that it was like, oh, this is why everyone's using that song. Like these labels are going out and paying creators to use them. I just wonder how much of that is is happening with these like really, really big accounts that we don't realize because you don't the FTC doesn't make you disclose if it's a music sponsorship. Um, at least there's like kind of a weird gray area. So I was always curious, like how much of how much of these um, like really popular songs become popular organically versus through strategic marketing, like paid marketing? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is, I think, still a lot of paid posting going on in terms of people using music and definitely people taking care of the the gray area sort of thing. I personally, with my clients, feel a little scared to use the gray area. If they're getting money, I like to make it clear. It kind of freaks me out. I see people get FTC yeah. letters and I, I don't want to be in that category. But it's it's definitely still happening in terms of the traditional like pay to use a song in a TikTok I would say where I'm seeing people sort of pivot a little bit more to how they spend money is when they see a song organically getting traction and then adding money into it after that is kind of where I'm seeing more record labels spend their dollars. And I I think that is a better move because there's enough, especially somebody has a certain amount of followers. There's I, I would say if somebody's at a certain level in terms of their music career or the amount of followers they have on TikTok, they have a big enough test audience to see if a song has some legs or not. And I think that's what's happening right now is where people are testing songs to see if they have legs or not and deciding, does do people like this? Do people not? Should we spend money on it? Should we not? That's where I, you know, I think where the music industry kind of sits on spending dollars in terms of TikTok marketing right now. No, that totally makes sense. And I, I recommend that to the brands that I work with as a consultant, because if you're seeing viral content or even just high performing content that's featuring your products which in the music industry that's music uh putting that paid ad spend behind it amplifies like already organically well performing or good performing content so i mean it makes sense that it's still it's happening in the music industry just like it is in um commerce uh but one thing you mentioned with like kind of using getting legs on like what's performing well Okay, there's like a lot of conversation around like industry plants, like when there's a band that's like, or like artists that are like, what if I did a song and it sounded like, like Charlie Puth style, where they're like, what if I did a song and it sounded like this? And they like make a song, they're like, should I release it? Is that an actual like marketing plan? Like do people, do labels actually be like, okay, this is what we're doing? A lot of them will suggest it if it's my artist and I think it's too corny, I'll push back on it um right yeah i do see i do see like i see a lot of like i see a lot of label people and again these are not on my projects because i don't like this but i'll see a lot of people be like you should post a tiktok about how you're mad at the label that they're not letting you release this and i'm like and i'm like that's your marketing i don't know it's it's um i'm like i think people see through that now like you like hating your label is not like it you know like it works if it's genuine i guess but i think people can see through when it's like not and i I find that sort of strategy pretty um interesting and kind of awkward um but yeah yeah there's stuff i mean i've seen some crazy i've seen some crazy great ideas come from record labels and i've seen some like completely like um, dense ones come from from them too it's it's interesting yeah this fan for sure 
It's so like, yeah, it's very intriguing. Like the uh, organic uh, techniques that like when you apply it to something inorganically, like it really does come forward. I think, especially with the internet now, I think people can like do enough research to figure things out. Like there was that band, I'm not going to remember what they were called. They were like that girl band, but it was like a manufactured band. They weren't. I worked with them. So uh, wait, really? Okay, wait, tell me the story. Tell me the story because everyone was freaking out about it. They actually were like so opposite of industry plant in terms of their actual like technicality that I felt really bad for them. Like, so the stuff that we would help them with, like as a digital marketing company would be, hey, you know, what structure, you know, like let's structure your days so that, you know, every Wednesday you all get together and make content. But like they were the ones driving the ship in terms of making that content. And even before we even started working with them, before they had anybody on their team, they were a group that had all their music done that they made themselves without any outside funding or help. Like it's actually the exact opposite of industry plant, but because they were smart marketing people and, and be, and so strategic about like, you know, pick, you know, get it, doing everything themselves. It almost like kind of, they were almost like too good at being independent. It was, they were like too good at being independent, but they were like completely independent. They had like minimal funding, wrote all the music themselves. They actually refused to take outside writing sessions. It was, it was really fascinating to me to watch people kind of like I sort of understood some of the other arguments people had against them. But the industry plant one, I did not because they were actually like the furthest thing from an industry plant, um, like in terms of that term and like what. So I found yeah, that I re- fascinating. I remember that was just like a big conversation where people were like, oh, like this is a manufactured like it felt like, you know, like One Direction, like a, a bunch of. They yeah, were, we they, were, they, they were saying that it was like manufactured. Yeah, they actually, I mean, they made themselves. So, I mean, they were manufactured by themselves in a very independent right. way, but they came up with their entity, their brand. I remember like when I did the original pitch call with them, somebody, you know, they were like taking management meetings and we ended up kind of coming on more as like management consultants slash, um, you know, helping them with digital marketing as they, they saw fit. But they, you know, they told me, the whole story about how they they got together and it was actually like super organic and it was one of my favorite stories that an artist had ever told me about like their history it was amazing and i was just so fascinated that you know i and there was you know it wasn't just the industry plant thing that was like a problem that i think sort of right right downfall but industry plant was like the one thing i could really argue that i thought that they were absolutely not they were they made they were very self that's so interesting yeah i mean i feel like once tiktok kind of has a mind of its own so because that kind of got circulated and that was like thrown in with the narrative i think that's very interesting well i'm glad you had some inside scoop on that because yeah i think that's one thing people get weirded out about is like industry plants you know people don't want to be like marketed to in that way and i and i totally get that so i think sometimes people are like overly skeptical because it's it's that it's yeah. that balance of like you don't want something forced on you but then fans get really angry when somebody doesn't do marketing well and doesn't promote themselves so it's kind of hard to like hit that in between of you know not getting mad at an artist for not doing enough promo but then but then if they do too much promo their industry plans it's a hard it's a hard life right. for, for artists out there right now it's not easy to kind of 
build an audience and and you know have people you know see you for for who you are sometimes it can go sideways really fast i felt really bad for you know what happened with the tram stamps because they have a ton of music they never released their music was really really good it was catchy yeah, yeah. they're great writers i put them in writing sessions with um other artists that i work with now all the time because they're really good musicians and producers actually they're they're solid music people that came up in the music business did writing sessions paid their dues like they're they're excellent they're they're excellent musicians and very very talented so i hope whatever you know comes next for all of them yeah. is amazing well now they at least have the experience of like going viral and knowing kind of the ins and outs of that i'm sure that was a learning experience it's it's tough because most people would when they go viral at that level they've already like have some level of success and fame so for somebody to go so negatively viral so early in their career it's tough because you're not like sitting in a mansion well it, like it, in old right. days you would you would, you would have to be like really rich and really successful for that many people to hate you and yes. they hadn't even had that previous success and hadn't had like the hadn't had the opportunity to sort of build your stamina against that kind of negative backlash because if you look at their numbers it was all like everyone on tiktok loved them loved them loved them they're growing they're growing they're growing and then all of a sudden it like hit a wall yeah it blew up and it was you know it, it, i just never seen anything like it before and it was it was tough you know it was it was, it was a tough situation to to watch no that's and, so interesting yeah. Yeah. Like I like what you said that in the past you couldn't have that kind of hate without being a celebrity. But like across the board with TikTok, not even just in the music industry, we see that where it's like normal everyday people suddenly have this viral reach. But like with that viral reach comes a lot of negativity. I feel like that comes up every interview I do on the podcast. Um, just because it brings so many more eyeballs to you and then it's not always good like that's just yeah. how it goes I mean I think the media especially the mainstream media like loves to hate on things so when you're getting that mainstream exposure by going viral it's just like it's a train that you sometimes can't get off of yeah it's it's tough and that you know I, I really watched it you know, I've watched it in a lot of situations over the years I actually do like a lot of consulting in these kind of situations um mm -hmm. and theirs was just so unique because they you know it, it, it was so early their their career yeah. and, and and tiktok me you know i think escalated it so fast whereas that, those kind of stories would have moved more slowly in the past yeah but at least there is a really quick turnover with stories too like i feel yeah. like Usually something's a really big hot topic for a week or so and it dies off. Like I always tell people like it'll die down. You just have to like stick with it. But sometimes, I mean, it's really overwhelming. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, what are artists or what should artists be doing on TikTok? Because I see a lot of people that are like, you know, I'm a musician. I want to get my stuff seen. But like it's just not getting like good reach like what mistakes do you see like independent musicians making i think the biggest mistake i see independent musicians making is chasing trends and doing content where it's not clear that they are an artist first mm. I, I think a lot of people are so focused on numbers that 
they can make a video and they can get good numbers on that video, but that doesn't really, you have to think about each piece of content. Am I making a video that's going to get good engagement for social media? Or am I making a video that's going to help my career? And I think if you stay in the lane of, I need to do content that helps my career and you know who I am when you see it and you know that I like music and I am music, write music. I think that's the most important thing. And I, I and I think that this is where a lot of labels give artists really bad advice. I think they're trying to make them do trends and trying to make them do things that you can just feel they fit you can feel when an artist is doing this kind of stuff that they don't want to or they're doing it because they're taking somebody else's advice and they trust them but they're unsure about it like you you can see that that's not who they are maybe that post does do well but is that gonna get more pre-saves or sell more tickets to a, a show probably not um we have one artist that we work with that She's been very diligent about, she could have way bigger numbers, but she has good numbers. She's, you know, 600,000 on TikTok. She's all just music and she has less followers than a, than a lot of people, but she can sell more tickets. She can pull more pre-saves and she can pull more streams and more Spotify monthly listeners because she is not getting distracted by just chasing social media numbers. She is really focused on creating content that amplifies the career that she wants to have in the brand. Yeah, that's a really good point that you have to think about content for your career and you can't just focus on trends like across the board for any creators listening to this. Like, I feel like I say that all the time in a different way that like just because a video is getting low views doesn't mean it's not like contributing to your overall brand. Like I would rather have someone know who I am for what I do than for some stupid trend video, which like I feel like I can say because I did that on Musical.ly like just doing random videos to go viral, but it didn't like build my brand per se. Like it built my numbers. So I feel like there are a lot of creators that fall into that trap of like building numbers and then suddenly being like, I don't know what my brand is. I don't know what I want to do. Like, I feel like my audience doesn't know me. Um, So yeah, content for your career, not just for going viral. I really like that. That's a, that's a good tidbit. Yeah, because it's weird. A lot of times like, because I, I, I deal with this too, even when like on, you know, connecting socially on my Instagram or TikTok or whatever, I would post something and I'd be like, oh, nobody saw that. But then you would hear, like I would meet with a client a month later and they would talk about that piece of content that I posted. So even though it may not like been engaging, you know, from my standpoint or got, you know, less likes than usual, whatever the case may be, it did connect with somebody and it made a client feel you know, about my company in a positive way, or it made somebody feel related to, or it's, you you know, each, you know, every, the purpose of content can't just be to collect numbers and praise. It has to serve a greater purpose. Yes, 100%. I feel like that is a vein of thought. Like we hear over and over from creators is like, if you're just chasing the numbers, you're not going to be happy. Like there's always going to be someone bigger. There's always going to be someone getting better views. And I totally agree with what you said about uh, people bringing up videos to you that you're like, that didn't even perform well. Like, how did you see that? Because sometimes those are the videos where I connect with people the most and like have conversations and like develop friendships. Like some of my best friends I've literally met from TikTok. um, And it wasn't on trend videos of me doing weird viral trends it's like 
when you have that human connection, which TikTok gives artists the ability to do now. And that builds that like really solid fan base. Totally. Um, one thing I want, or wait, oh, I wanted to say something about that. Oh yeah. Um, like with, uh, converting followers into like fans who are like purchasing tickets and pre-saving um how has tiktok kind of like changed the game in that sense like we're was instagram really wasn't able to give this same type of visibility to music right uh, yeah i don't think so especially with the trending sounds alone like you really see if something's going on tiktok it really translates to people shazamming it picking it up on and adding it on spotify like you you see really see traction on tiktok translate to people listening to music in a traditional way whereas it was that didn't really happen as much with like instagram or facebook for example yeah i think we like kind of saw the power of that with uh the stranger things release this summer when they brought uh oh i don't even know what running up the hill by kate bush like yes. went completely viral on tiktok through trends because of stranger things so like pop culture mixed with music and then the reach of tiktok made a song from the 80s like chart in the u.s right i mean it happens all the time now we actually get hired to work on a lot of legacy artists because they come back from different songs on you know on tiktok you know i work on yeah yeah it's really interesting and like i work on um, like we work with Becky G and like shower had a moment again, you know, 10 years later, you know, Britney Spears has songs all the yes. time that, 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 that like, you know, get different types of remixes that have TikTok moments. It's really interesting to sort of see this, like these pop culture moments that are tied to music that's not current. It's really fascinating because I think that's something new that, you know, didn't exist in MySpace and didn't really exist prior to this. So it's kind of fun to see like songs be able to have a life not just when they were released and that's the end of it it's really cool to be able to see these different songs have moments again i think that's exciting and i don't know i i, I hope it continues in you know in culture and and social platforms in the future i think it's awesome yeah i think it's cool to see too like uh how it mixes with the trends in a way because like while we're saying like you shouldn't just do trends but like there's totally a place for trends in anyone's content it's just like not the only thing you should do but like yeah. I especially love the stuff like um the teenage dirtbag trend right now where people say like these were my teenage dirtbag photos like that song is from like when I was growing up and now you know yeah. teenagers are using it so it's really cool to see like the cycle of um the nostalgia of like bringing back these older songs that like I grew up listening to that now are fueling trends on TikTok and like getting that resurgence. Totally. And I love that, that trend that, and that, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just shouldn't, you have to pick the ones that are right for you. And yes. that trend was really great for a lot of my clients. Like we suggested it to the Backstreet Boys and they did it and they're perfect for that. You know, that's, you know, in terms of their age, they have funny old photos. Like that's, the perfect you know type of trend to suggest that a client use um and and it you know and it, it applies to like their history and pop culture and their career and it, it doesn't it isn't them trying to force something it isn't them that brand can really be made to fit or that trend can really be made to fit their brand 
but it isn't for everyone. So it, it's yeah. just, you know, you have to pick what feels right to you. Yeah, I could totally see that being, now I want to go watch that video. because it's, it's fun. Like, they, have, not, they have hilarious old photos. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like all the costumes and stuff from back in the day that were just like so 90s. You're like, what was, who yeah. styled this? Like, what a time. It's amazing. A time to be alive. Exactly. It's like, I don't think you could do that trend if you didn't have like terrible old photos. Like mine were all my MySpace photos. It was just like, yes, that's a lot of hairspray. Why? Yes. Love but it. I've heard people talk about like how TikTok can be like challenging from a small business perspective, but like in a way, independent artists or small businesses, um, because you're having to not just be talent you're also suddenly having to be an influencer do you think that that is like an aspect of the music industry that people don't realize yeah that i mean you are kind of being an i, I think the influencer gets such like a, the word gets such yeah a rap and like immediately like, oh yeah i agree like, like like clam up but yeah you do have to be able to influence people to want to listen to your music that's the difference between being like a musician and being an artist, you know, performing, recording artists. So yeah, you have to, you have to have some power in terms of um, getting people to listen to you and to take you seriously and to, you know, consider what you're, what you're saying. And, you know, that, that, and I think that's having to be done by a large amount of people and the most amount of people ever that's probably had to do that, you know, in terms of, you know, independent artists and small businesses they are yeah they do have to like you know they do have to figure out like their marketing chops a little bit more than they've ever had to before which can be tough but also like it's a huge blessing and a lot of people I think end up having fun with it when they didn't um think they would if they just like kind of give it a shot and, and dive in but it, it's you know it's definitely a new a new thing to that people have to tackle that you know they may not to go yeah I think it's really cool to see though too because I mean, there's artists that have I've stumbled across on TikTok, and um, oh, I'm not going to remember his name, but uh, he opened for Panic at the Disco the other day, and I was like, oh, I saw, I follow him on TikTok. He looks like Elton John. That's like his thing. Um, and okay, I'm going to go look it up. I forget. It's like three names. It has Wesley in there somewhere too? Um, but yeah, it was like, oh, I follow him on TikTok. Like that's really cool. Uh, so I think people like that, like access to artists too, because like the music industry is so mystifying for so many consumers and suddenly uh, we're able to, you know, comment on not just like rising artists, but also like, I don't know, like I'm mutuals with Hot Shell Ray on TikTok and I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like I listened to them when I was like in college and I'm like, oh yeah, they follow yeah. me or whatever, you know, it's like it has that uh personal relationship aspect too that like we all love about social media absolutely i i i love it and it, and it's it really is like again that this cannot be about numbers but it can be about personality and i was with aj from the baxter boys the other day and he has a new brand deal that he was doing and i went over to his house to you know help shoot some stuff with him and upload the files to the brand and that sort of thing as they're being shot and he asked them you know, why did you decide to work with me? I'm just curious, like, why me versus, like, you know, other people? And they're just like, we really like how you present yourself on TikTok, you know? So it's not, it's not like, because, it's not because, like, 
you're great as a Backstreet Boy on stage or you've sold this many records. It's like, we liked your personality on TikTok. That's why we wanted to work with you. And it's really interesting that that's, you know, how a lot of brands are making their decision. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's funny because anyone in any entertainment industry I've talked to, like I've, I used to dance professionally and I have had a lot of people um, on the show that are like dancers, performers, had a couple singers or musicians. But yeah, that's something you hear a lot is that like they're getting the opportunities based on their personality, necessarily based on their talent. They, obviously, they're talented, um, but it's that personality aspect. Like no one wants to watch someone that's boring. Like, and when you can relate, have that relatability and that accessibility, I'm sure the Backstreet Boys never thought that they would be making TikToks as part of their no, marketing the, plan. The agent, I love working with, uh, I mean, I love working with all of them, but we do like more, like we work on Backstreet Boys as a brand and then we work on AJ's solo stuff. So I, you know, spend a little more time with him. He loves technology. He loves this stuff. Like he's, he's actually like jumped on a bunch of apps that ended up not working out, but he he loves he loves it he likes um he likes making content he likes trying out new things he likes being an early adopter but you would never think that like that would have been part of his like career trajectory or personality yeah for sure are so are there any artists or bands that you think are just like killing it on tiktok that it would be a great like example for someone who's you know thinking of using tiktok to help their music career um, one artist that we just started managing that we actually found via TikTok, a wonderful person I work with named Helen, found her on TikTok, and she, um, we started like digging into her, and her name's Leanna Firestone, and we started digging into her, and we were like, okay, she has six hundred thousand monthly listeners on Spotify, and I looked at her Instagram, and I'm like, how do I not have any mutuals with this person? This is like, I feel like I discovered gold. And we didn't start working with her immediately, but her old management situation fell apart and we were able to come back into into the picture. And it's worked amazing. But something that I think has been kind of cool about her TikTok is that she actually doesn't really post that much. But when she does, it's just like her singing, it's her being an artist. And it's worked. Like she can sell tickets. She can pull pre-saves. She can pull Spotify numbers. And she doesn't have a major label. She's pulling the same numbers that major label artists do, and sometimes better, without without their help. Yeah, I but just she, pulled her up. She's like, so I think she's somebody that's like you know has leveraged social media to be really, you know, connected with her fans, but maybe isn't posting every day and chasing trends. And I like that because she shows that that's okay that you can still be successful as a young artist. And not have to post three videos a day and not have to post things that don't make you comfortable. Like she's she's doing it right now in real time, writing great music. She is in control of everything. She does not have a major label telling her what to do. And she is building an organic career and pulling fantastic numbers and having the time of her life uh, on tour right now and meeting fans that know all the words to all her songs and she stayed true to herself and didn't post things that didn't feel right to her. And if that meant not following best practices and not posting frequently enough, that was okay with her. And I, I think that it's a real true example of, I think people are so scared about what doesn't have, what, what happens if I don't post enough? What happens if I don't do all the things that all these marketing resources or my team members are telling me and it doesn't fall apart. She's an example that actually made me 
better. And so I, I really like her as an example for that. I totally agree with that because I went from posting like three times a day, uh, just, you know, as a normal, not an artist, but, you know, as a creator and it, you get burnt out too. Like you're going to get burnout on creativity. And when you can like focus on content that like really serves your career, like you were saying, not just views, like that is like living proof that she has a brand, she's built it organically and it's gotten her management, which is so valuable for artists, especially I feel like people like her are the future of the music industry because they are an asset to the to marketers or like, you know, to agents, not agencies. What's the word? to labels because they're able yeah. to do their own marketing to an extent like they already get it yeah she just needs you know and i think she's gonna have like she's gonna be one of those like slow and steady wins the race type of artist and she's gonna build a little more with each song with each ep and then one day we're gonna like wake up and she's gonna have like these huge amount of streams and everyone's gonna know who she is but every, and it's gonna feel like it was overnight but it was a slow and steady trajectory but yeah, which is kind of the way to do amazing. it. It is that that's the only sustainable way. And every time somebody feels like their overnight success, you can usually go in and analyze them and realize that they're not. You can realize that yes. it, maybe their overnight success on a particular platform or in a particular moment, but there's their whole life led to that moment. And there's yes. so much work and experiences that led to that moment that it, it wasn't love. It, it was not an overnight situation. My ballet teacher used to say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. But I like, I mean, we've seen that here. Like a lot of the creators that I've interviewed have had like extremely viral success. But um, one thing I don't, you've probably seen the video. It's his name's Joe Dombrowski, but he did the spelling bee for his students. I've just completely made up words. He was on Ellen from that. And when I asked him, like, okay, so you were an elementary teacher and then now you're a comedian, like, kind of tell me what that looked like. And he was like, well, I was already a comedian before I went viral. Like, comedy has been something I've been pursuing my whole life. And that video just, like, set it off for me. So, like, it's you're seeing someone else's chapter 10 and comparing your chapter one, essentially. Like, there's yeah. so much that goes into it. Yeah, comedy's hard. Like, you, you, can't, just, you can't just get up on uh, a stand-up and... Uh, open mic stand up and and do that Co comedians work we we have a couple uh comics that we work with and they work really really hard and they're re really brilliant but they've been working on their craft their whole life for sure and i mean it's the same thing with music i'm sure like you can't just wake up and be a successful artist no and i actually i went through this experience where you know i would find some artists on tiktok that i wanted to work with and i would go like meet with them and try to help you know put them with a creative person to go in the studio finish a song and they they couldn't do it because they didn't have the experience they weren't in musical theater at school they hadn't had guitar lessons they had they hadn't done the work that an artist has to do and i think you could kind of deceive some things in a short video but you can't get on stage and perform you know a concert if you don't the musical chops to do it or if you do it's not gonna go well for you Yes. Okay. That brings up a good point of like, what is your stance on, I know that there's a lot of really big creators that launch music careers and, and it doesn't, from our perspective, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of music background. 
So like, what, how does that look right now in the industry? Like, how's that going? It's, it's, I think that it's interesting because I feel like the, a lot of labels want their artists to be more like these creators, but then they get these creators and don't know how to make them artists. <laughs> right. Like it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird cycle. I think a lot of like big younger creators feel obligated to create music because everyone else does and they feel like they're not being the best creator they they can be if they don't try it and i because i've heard a lot i remember especially like in the early music leaders i was working with a lot of kids and actually helped several people from that era sort of record their yeah. first song and release it and you know do that and that sort of thing and I would hear a lot of people be like, well, should I do a song because so-and-so did a song? Like that, it, it was, it's almost like they just think that they're supposed to do it. But I'm here to tell you that if you're not passionate about music, you can have a successful creator career without releasing it. It is okay to not have a song. It does not make you incomplete as a creator or a Gen Z celebrity. It is totally fine. And you should not do it if you aren't passionate about it because it's a lot of work and it's actually really expensive and it's just a waste of money if you're not excited about it. So don't do it if you don't want to. You should only do it if you are naturally inclined to it and that sounds fun to you. Yeah, I think that is like a trajectory we saw for a long time, like on Musical.ly and kind of from Vine a little bit, like yeah. that era, late Vine, early Musical.ly. I'm trying to think there was like, there was this little, what was it? It wasn't VidCon. It was some kind of group of like digi toys from, yes, I think that was what it was. And they would put on like concerts. Wait, who else was on that? Oh, no, it was the girl not, with the It's curly not digi tour. It's the other one. I think you're thinking of the other one that like Sean Mendez was on. There's two. Maybe. I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't there's, remember. There's several of them. There's also like the Boys of Summer tour. There's a lot of them. Um, yes. You know, there are several of them, but yeah, they would all go out on the road together. And I think that they wanted, to, I think people wanted to go meet fans, but they felt like they needed to have something to do on stage. So they made music yes. because what else do you do on yeah. stage if you're not performing? So that was, I think, another big part of it where I think in, it, in hindsight, I think it would have actually just been okay to go do like a meet and greet tour and not have a stage show because people would actually come for the meet and greet and leave a lot of the time in those situations. Yeah. So and now I we see that with like VidCon. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering totally. like how that got to be such a big thing, but that makes sense. Like that it was like these teeny bopper, like, like, I don't even know. Like, you know, there would be so many little teenagers going to see them and they were like these music acts, but like weren't really trained yeah. musicians or it was an interesting time in the, in the industry. Yeah, and there's always, like, a version of that. It's just that that era happened to be, like, from, you know, musically. Um, but there's always, there's always a group of, like, there's always a group of, like, pop stars that, you know, people, you know, apply producer power and money to and think that they can make them into the next Justin Bieber or whatever. But Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber was very interested in music before he had any, like, industry manpower. Yeah. He was... And he was really talented. Again. Yeah, he was. It was playing the drums that he's for. Like, it, you know, like it, it, you just can't. I think a lot of times us music industry people think that we're so good at our jobs that we can make people who are mediocre look like great artists. And that's just not that's not possible. So we can't we can only help 
great artists become more known, but we can't make somebody terrible be perceived as good. It just doesn't. That's like so true. I think we see that though, because there's like some very inorganic positions that have come from social media and you're like, eh, okay, like let's see where this goes. And it, and most of the time it doesn't really go anywhere, but then there are the ones that, you know, build these really big careers. Um, one, okay. Something that I wanted to ask you about that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, how oh. has TikTok kind of impacted like licensing and stuff? Like, I know that I feel like it's been this really weird road, like using you can't use you know licensed music online like a long time ago people it was like a free-for-all and then they started using these bots that would like catch it you know and and mute yeah. your stuff like how has that changed and how has that like helped artists it's it's, it's tough because it, i think in the like very very beginning like you know myspace days era like that version of the internet i think people tried to get away with out licensing music because they would say well it's promotion and it's gonna you know it's you know it's marketing and it's promotion and you're it's worth you know giving your music to free you know for free for this platform because of the exposure you're gonna get um but i think people eventually were like we have to get compensated and and i think that it's been and i think we're still on that journey about how to technically execute that and how to distribute royalties and how to make it fair for everyone um i would say in most cases artists are still making very little money from these you know licensing situations it's better than nothing of course but it's still i think there still is a long way to go in terms of getting that sort of divvied up and put in a more fair place i hope it continues to evolve and people are able to you know be compensated in, in the right way but also in a way that doesn't like hinder sharing people's music and hinder like creators being able to make content with it i still think we have a long way to go in terms of figuring out how to make sure everyone's taken care of in that situation um yeah it's very interesting yeah i remember like the youtube like you would like make like the best video and then it would get muted and there was like nothing you can do about it. So I'm glad that like yeah. there's options beyond that now. Like at least you can keep the video up and give all the money to, you know, the royalty holders. Or you know, it's different depending on the situation. Yeah, who owns what. But I'm glad that it's not just like, you know, mute or nothing. Like I don't know. It's uh, that was a that was a tough um era on the YouTube front, for sure. And even like it's it's funny. So we work with um Universal Music Group. And a lot of times, even their own music gets muted on their platforms, and we own have page. to like go get it. Yeah, and we have to like go get it like custom cleared so that they can use their own music. It's the, I mean, it's I, a testament yeah. to how like good the systems work. But it's, uh, I just think it's funny when it's like Universal Music Group has posted this on Facebook. Universal Music Group has flagged the copyright infringement, and I'm like, we're fighting with ourselves again. It's hilarious. How does it work? Because you know how there's a lot of songs that are, like sped up. Or like remix yeah. and stuff like that. Is that considered fair use or like sampling? Like, how does that work for royalties? Is it just kind of a loophole right now? Um, I mean, they're de- labels. I mean, that so it depends on what the effect is, um, and if like a master's being used or none of that sort of thing. But like technically, yeah, you still have to. I think those are harder to catch with bots, but they're still supposed to be compensating artists for them appropriately. And there's a lot of technology that. It can catch that kind of stuff and it's continuing to evolve it 
and get better. But, you know, it's and, and now like TikTok has a lot of opportunities for going in and sort of like back tagging stuff that somebody else made yes. exist. So, you know, there's there's definitely more opportunities and more routes to sort of claim your work, so to speak. But it's a, there's still a lot of it can still be a little clunky and, and slow. So still some more progress to be for sure. Yeah, it's like the wild. It was the wild west on Musical.ly. You could like upload anything. And it's I know. like, yeah, it's a song. And then now all that stuff's been muted and taken away and everything. Um, but I always wondered like what would happen like with the sp- sped up or the remixes that people make independently. Um, it's funny. There's a a uh, Sirius XM station, which I'm sure you're aware of. That it's TikTok radio, which yep. is funny because it's like the name of my podcast, but different. I'm TikTok radio. Yes. Um, but it's they play the songs that are like sped up that are like on TikTok. And and it's the TikTok version of the song. It's very interesting to like hear that in like a car. Yeah. Screen. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is on my for you page. But it's like transferring over into like a whole radio station. Like it's just it's wild. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's been really exciting to watch those. Well, I'm super glad you're able to take an hour out of your day to come hang out with us and give us a little bit more insight into what the music industry and social media have going on behind the scenes. Yeah, of course. No, this is super fun. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you? Yeah. So um, I'm uh, my, my actually have my name everywhere. So just Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, Petrie, P-E-T-R-E-Y. Um, I use TikTok a little bit. I use it more so for browsing than for posting myself, but um, post on Instagram mostly. Post on LinkedIn a lot too, actually. So those are probably the best places to connect if you want to talk more, have something you want to collaborate on. I, oh, my DMs are always open. I love talking to people. Awesome. Okay, guys, I will put links in the show notes for you and check in next week for another... I can't talk. Uh, tune in next week for another interview. Thank you so much for pushing play today. That's it for this week's episode. Remember to subscribe and leave us a rating or review if you liked what you heard. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and TikTok and join our exclusive Facebook community group for more support and guidance as you grow. I'm your host, Victoria Jameson, and I'll see you next week for another episode of TikTok Radio.